Welcome to Storytime with Kurt. In each episode, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and just chill out while I read Tom Swift and His Airship by Victor Appleton. Previously on Tom Swift and His Airship, uh, Tom and Eradicate basically ran into Anson Morse, one of the scoundrels from the previous couple of books. And Anson basically took a face full of whitewash. And that's where we pick up. Chapter 4. A Trial Trip. There was no fear that Anson Morse would return to the attack. Blinded by the whitewash which ran in his eyes, but which, being slaked, did not burn him, he grouped blindly about, pawing the air with his outstretched hands. Now, it says grouped, but I bet they meant groped. That's that's my guess, because that sounds weird otherwise. You wait, you wait, you'll suffer for this, he spluttered as soon as he could free his mouth from the trickling fluid. Then, wiping it from his face with his hands as best he could, he shook a fist at Tom. I'll pay you and that black rascal back, he cried. You wait. I hope you pay me soon, answered Eradicate. Case, how's that whitewash was 25 cents, and I gotta get more to finish doing a chicken coop I'm working on. Whoa, boomerang. There's not gonna be any more trouble, I reckon. Morse did not reply. He had been most unexpectedly repulsed, and with the whitewash dripping from his garments, he turned and fairly ran toward a strip of woodland that bordered the highway at that place. Tom approached the man and held out a welcoming hand. I don't know what I'd done if you hadn't come along, Rad, the lad said. That fellow was desperate, and this was a lonely spot to be attacked. Your whitewash came in mighty handy. Yes, sir, Mr. Swift, that's what it did. I know I could use it on him when he got too ornery, and that's what he'd done. But I was going to fight him with my brush if he made any more trouble. Oh, I fancy we've seen the last of him for some time, said Tom. But he looked worried. It was evident that the Happy Harry gang was still hanging around the neighborhood of Shopton, and the fact that Morse was bold enough to attack our hero in broad daylight argued that he felt little fear of the authorities. "'If you want to catch him,' went on Eradicate, "'you can trace him by the whitewash that drops off of him,' and he pointed to a trail of white drops which showed the path Morse had taken. "'No, the less I have to do with him, the better I like it,' answered the lad." But I can't thank you enough, Rad. You've helped me out of difficult times several times now. You put me on the trail of the men in the deserted mansion. You warned me of the log Andy Foger placed across the road. And now you've saved me from Morse. Ah, that's nothing, Mr. Swift. You've sure done a lot for me. Besides, my mule boomerang is entitled to the most credit this time. I was coming down the street on my way to a whitewashing job when I saw you and your lickety split machine for so eradicate designated the motorcycle i knew it was you and i don't like looking at that man then i saw he held you and i thought he was a burglar so i yelled to boomerang to hurry up now mostly when i want boomerang to hurry he goes slow and when i want him to go slow he runs away but this time he knows he, he knew he was coming to help you and he certainly did like it that's what he done he run like he was going home to a stable, stable full of oats, and that's how I got here so quick. 
Then I thought of the whitewash, and, well, I just used it. It was the most effective weapon you could have used, said Tom gratefully. Well, Mr. Swift, I had no weapon, uh, spoke Eradicate earnestly. Had I didn't even have my razor in case I left it home, and I didn't have no weapon at all. I just used the whitewash, like you saw. Well, that's what I meant, answered Tom, trying not to laugh. I'm ever so much obliged to you, just the same, and here's a half dollar to pay for the whitewash. Oh, no, Mr. Swift, I don't want to take it. I can make some more whitewash. But Tom insisted and picked up his machine to sprint for home. Eradicate started to tell over again how he urged Boomerang on, but the lad had no time to listen. But I didn't have any weapon, Mr. Swift. Not even my razor, repeated Eradicate. Only the pail of whitewash. That is, unless you want to call my brush a weapon. Well, it's sort of one, admitted Tom with a laugh as he started his machine. Come around next week, Rad. We'll have some dirt eradicating for you to attend to. Indeed I will, Mr. Swift. Eradicate is my name, and I eradicates the dirt. But the man did look pretty odd with that pail of whitewash all over him. He sure did look more, most extraordinarily. Giddy up, Boomerang. See if you can break some more speed records now. But the mule appeared to be satisfied with what he'd done, and as he rode off, Tom looked back to see the man laboring to get the sleepy animal started. The lad didn't tell his father of the adventure with Morris, but he related the occurrence to Mr. Sharp. "'I'd like to get hold of that scoundrel and the others in the gang,' exclaimed the balloonist. "'I'd take him up in the airship and drop him down the lake. He's a bad man.' "'So are the others. Wonder what they want round here.' "'Well, that's what's puzzling me,' admitted Tom. "'I hope Dad doesn't hear about them, or he'll, sure, he'll be sure to be worried.' And maybe it'll interfere with his new ideas. He hasn't told you yet what he's engaged in inventing, has he? No, I don't like to ask him. He said the other day, though, that it would rival our airship, but in a different way. I wonder what he meant. It's hard to say, but I don't believe he can invent anything that will go ahead of our craft, even if he is my own father and the best one in the world, said Tom half-jokingly. Well, I got the bolts. Now, let's get to work. I'm anxious for a trial trip. No more than I am. I want to see if my ideas will work out in practice as well as they do in theory. For a week or more, Tom and Mr. Sharp labored on the airship, with Mr. Jackson to help them. The motor, with its 20 cylinders, was installed, and the big aluminum holder fastened to the frame of the planes. The rudders, one to control the elevation and depression of the craft, and the other to direct its flight to the right or left, were attached, and the steering wheel, as well as the levers regulating the motor, were put into place. "'About all that remains to be done now,' said the aeronaut one night, as he and Tom stood in the big shed looking at their creation, "'is to fit up the car and paint the machine.' "'Can't we make a trial trip before we fit up the car ready for a long flight?' asked the young inventor. "'Yes, but I wouldn't like to go out without painting the ship. Some parts of it might rust if we get into the moist, cloudy upper regions.' "'Well, let's paint it tomorrow, and as soon as it's dry, we'll have a test.' "'All right, I'll mix the paint the first thing in the morning.' It took two days to paint the machine, for much care had to be used, and when it was finished, Tom looked admiringly up at it. "'We ought to name it,' suggested Mr. Sharp, as he removed a bit of paint from the end of the nose. "'To be sure,' agreed Tom. "'And hold on. I have the very name for it. Red Cloud.' 
Red Cloud? questioned Mr. Sharp. Yes, exclaimed Tom with enthusiasm. It's painted red, at least the big aluminum gas container is, and we hope to go above the clouds in it. Why not Red Cloud? That's what it shall be, conceded the balloonist. If I had a bottle of malted milk or something like that, I'd christen it. We ought to have a young lady do that part, suggested Tom. They always have young ladies to name ships. <clears throat> Were you thinking of any particular young lady? asked Mr. Sharp softly, and Tom blushed as he replied. Oh, no, of, of course that is well. Oh, hang on. Uh, christen it yourself and leave me alone, he finished. Well, in the absence of Miss Mary Nestor, who I think would be the best one for the ceremony, said Mr. Sharp with a twinkle in his eyes, I christened the Red Cloud. And with that, he sprinkled some water on the pointed nose of the red aluminum gas bag, for the aeronaut and Tom were on a high staging on a level with the upper part of the airship. Red Cloud it is, cried Tom enthusiastically. Now, tomorrow we'll see what it can do. The day of the test proved all that could be desired in the way of weather. The fact that an airship was being constructed in the swift shops had been kept as secret as possible, but of course many in Shopton knew of it, for Andy Foger had spread the tidings. "'I hope we won't have a crowd around to see us go up,' said Tom, as he and Mr. Sharp went to the shed to get the Red Cloud in readiness for the trial. "'I shouldn't want to have them laughing at us if we fail to rise.' "'Don't worry. We'll go up all right,' declared Mr. Sharp. "'The only thing I'm at all worried about is our speed. "'I want to go fast, but we may not be able to until our motor gets tuned up. "'But we'll rise.' "'The gas machine had already been started, "'and the vapor was hissing inside the big aluminum holder. "'It was decided to try to go up under the lifting power of the gas "'and not use the aeroplane feature for sending aloft the ship, "'as there was hardly room around the shops for a good start. When enough of the vapor had been generated to make the airship buoyant, the big doors of the shed were opened, and Tom and Mr. Sharp, with the aid of Garrett and Mr. Swift, shoved it out slowly. "'There it is! There she comes!' cried several voices outside the high fence that surrounded the Swift property. "'They're going up!' "'Andy Fogers in that bunch,' remarked Tom with a grim smile. "'I hope we don't fail.' "'We won't. Don't worry,' advised Mr. Sharp. The shouts outside, outside the fence increased. It was evident that quite a crowd of boys as well as men had collected, though it was early in the morning. Somehow, news of the test had leaked out. The ship continued to get lighter and lighter as more gas was generated. It was held down by ropes fastened to stakes driven in the ground. Mr. Sharp entered the big car that was suspended below the airplanes. "'Come on, Tom!' The aeronaut, the aeronaut called. We're almost ready to fly. Will you come too, Mr. Swift and Garrett? Some other time, promised the aged inventor. It looks as though you were going to succeed, though. I'll wait until after the test before I venture. How about you, Garrett? Asked Tom of the engineer as the young inventor climbed into the car. The ground is good enough for me, was the answer with a smile. Broken bones don't mend so easily when you're past 65. But we're not going to fall, declared Mr. Sharp. Already, Tom, cast off. Here we go. The restraining ropes were quickly cast aside. 
Slowly at first, and then with a rush, as though feeling more and more sure of herself, the red cloud arose in the air like a gigantic bird of scarlet plumage. Up and up it went, higher than the house, higher than the big shed where it had been built, higher, higher, higher. There she is, cried shrill voices, shrill voices of the boys. Well, that's kind of a tongue twister. Blah. There she is, cried shrill voices of the boys in the meadow, and the hoarser tones of the men mingled with them. Hurrah, cried Tom softly to the balloonist. We're off. And he waved his hand to his father and Garrett. I told you, spoke Mr. Sharp confidently. I'm going to start the propellers in a minute. Oh, dear me, goodness sakes alive, cried Mrs. Baggert, the housekeeper, running from the house and wringing her hands. I'm sure they'll fall. She looked, up, she looked up apprehensively, but Tom only waved his hand to her and threw her a kiss. Clearly, he had no fears, though it was his first time he had ever been in an airship. Mr. Sharp was as calm and collected as an ocean captain making his hundredth trip across the Atlantic. Throw on the main switch, he called to our hero, and Tom, moving to amidships in the car, did as directed. Mr. Sharp pulled several levers, adjusting some valves, and then with a rattle and bang, the huge 20-cylinder motor started. Waiting a moment to see that it was running smoothly, Mr. Sharp grasped the steering wheel. Then, with a quick motion, he threw the two propellers in gear. They began to whirl around rapidly. "'Here we go!' cried Tom, and sure enough, the red cloud, now five hundred feet in the air, shot forward, like a boat on the water, only with such a smooth, gliding, easy motion that it seemed like being borne along on a cloud. "'She works! She works!' cried the balloonist. "'Now to try our elevation rudder!' And as the red cloud gathered speed, he tilted the small planes which sent the craft up or down according to the manner in which they were tilted. The next instant, the airship was pointed at an angle toward the clouds and shooting along at swift speed, while from below came the admiring cheers of the crowd of boys and men. End of chapter four. Thank you for joining us on Storytime with Kurt. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, simply go to anchor.fm slash storytimewithkurt or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us if you like. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at VO by Kurt. If you have any suggestions for future podcasts, feel free to send an email to Kurt at storytimewithkurt.com. See you next time.